Hi everyone, Tom here. Obviously we're a little bit behind, so this was a show that was originally recorded on the 8th of August, so some of the dates are going to be a little bit wrong, so sorry about that. Uh, we should hopefully be getting vaguely back to normal from now. Uh, fingers crossed we'll have another episode for you next week, and stay tuned till the end to find out about something extra that will be coming later this week. Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that screamed until our veins collapsed. We've waited as our times elapsed. Now all we do is live with so much hate. But that's what happens when you get ghosted on Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember where I, I read this, but I saw someone was uh, like on the internet asking for dating advice, saying I've not really dated very much. Please give me some advice. And like one of the top tips that got like the most likes upvotes whichever point I can't even remember what social media platform was on it was on one of them uh, one of the best comments was someone saying you are going to get ghosted right it's going to happen it's not going to be your fault you probably didn't do anything it's probably just it's dating on the internet and you get ghosted and like the worst is grinder for it yeah because I mean tend to my experience is that if, if you did something wrong on grinder you get blocked right if you if you really like if you accidentally said someone sounds like they've got a small cock or something and they took offence at that, unsurprisingly, then you get blocked. Or if you're like, if <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I haven't actually seen this, experienced this myself, but uh, apparently, if uh, you are a like 55 year old bloke and you're messaging a 19 year old who hasn't says they're interested in that kind of thing, you're going to get blocked really fast for some reason. I can't think why. Who who would have thought? Hmm. Yeah, who would have thought that creepy old men get told to piss off? Um, at least you would hope they would get told to piss off anyway. Yeah. Although I do know some people who like that's the at that age that was like the youngest they liked. I don't. I never understood that, but I have. I'm familiar with that thing. Anyway, if, whatever you're into, as long as everyone's like consenting adults. This is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast in partnership with Knotfest. Um, obviously that intro was duality by Slipknot in case anyone didn't spot that, by the way. <laughs> Just for the for the like three people in the audience who was going, what song's that? I don't know that. Slipknot. Um, I'm Tom Dare, Hales, and with me once more is the man who shares his name with uh, world, a World Cup winning rugby player. And as it's a rugby player we're talking about, it means they have something else in common. They're both fond of seeing a strapping man get his hands on the ball. Hello to Matt Dawson. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello. That's a good one. That's a good one. Sorry, I, I can't believe it's taken me four weeks to think of that one. <laughs> Worth the wait, Tom. Worth the wait. In fairness, that was the better version of that. There was another version of that that was like way more not safe for work. I decided that was a bit too far. <laughs> um, also with me is a man who's feeling a little rough because he lives in Brighton, and we're recording this just after the end of Brighton Pride. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is the famously straight-edged Jacob Bannon on the day he files his taxes, and 10 is Micro Butcher from Mayhem in that bit of Metal Headbanger's journey where he can barely speak. Uh, how was the weekend, Charlie? It was to the point where I'm not sure how to rate it on a number scale. It was good. <laughs> I'm very so, tired. So, so it's it's an eleven, basically. <laughs> You're at the point that numbers are no longer like things that you can manage. Yeah, basically. Excellent. What was the best bit? 
Uh, probably would have been the street party with all my friends. It's really weird being just stood in a road and dancing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> normally that's the kind of thing that you know ends with you know a a, a tragedy. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> On Pride Weekend, it's a wonderful thing. I would, I'd suspect that there was probably something for one of the jubilees or so. Actually, I seem to remember when I was like 17, there was a jubilee party in my, the road I lived on, which was kind of not really my cup of tea. I feel like enough. that would have probably been quite different to the one yesterday. Mm. Probably a very different type of queen, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't resist that one, sorry. <laughs> just sort of dangling in front of me and I just had to grab it. Um, we're going to begin this show with a camp classic, unusually enough for us. This is where we take a look at a work of metal that spoke to us as queers and explain why. And this week we have a song from Napalm Death, because Napalm Death are fucking awesome. Uh, the song we're looking at is Suffer the Children, the now classic song from their 1990 classic album, Harmony Corruption. And um, while I've probably spoiled exactly what I think of them already by using the word twice, uh, the word classic twice in the same sentence and calling them fucking awesome. First thing is first, as always, what do we think of Napalm Death? I fucking love Napalm Death. It's if the anyone, right answer. If anyone saw me see them at Bloodstock last year, or saw me the day after, crucially, you will know how much I fucking love Napalm Death. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling to talk a little bit. <laughs> um, I think I passed out at the back of the Sophie stage in the like mid-afternoon the day after, just cradling some chips. <laughs> so, is, is the appropriate response, I think. Oh, Napalm Death. Fucking love Napalm Death. Saw him for the first time many moons ago at when download used to have the second stage as a tent, so that's how old I am. Um, the second stage as a tent, yeah, that is quite a long time ago. <laughs> yes, um, it was Napalm. It was a weird day. It was because it was like Napalm Death, then Billy Talent, then Within Temptation, then Dimmu Borgir. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's basically standard second stage at Blood uh, at Bloodstock at download back in the day, wasn't it? It's yeah. now kind of main stage at Bloodstock, which kind of tells you which direction those two festivals have gone in. Was at that point, you know, Bloodstock was kind of was within temptation and Evergrey and in the no, not in this moment, um, uh, Edenbridge and mm. um, Saxon. Lots, it's Saxon, yes, lots of bands that sound like Germany. Um, <laughs> whereas now it's, it's quite a lot more diverse. Um, I'm I'm glad you both agree with me because Napalm Death are fucking awesome. By the way, the reason I say every time I hit, say Napalm Death, I say Napalm Death are fucking awesome. Do you remember back in like the early days of metal YouTube, there was a misheard lyrics video of Paul Harder on the strings of Yamata, which was like really, really successful to the extent where um, the Trivium heard it. And actually had T-shirts made up with the misheard lyric, uh, "I I am here to ride bike," for one of their tours. <laughs> I have no idea about this. I you, know okay. the video, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. You know the the guy who uh, made that video, who, with hindsight, probably not someone I'd have got on very well with. Let's leave it there. Did like I think one video on his channel. And all the others were misheard lyric videos, most of which weren't very good, apart from uh, Psychosocial by Slipknot and Paul Hodgman and the Stranger Martyr. He did one 
uh, video, which was basically him wearing a uh, like St. Patrick's Day Guinness hat and reading for uh, and doing a piece to camera about um, a copy of Kerrang, which was basically slating Kerrang. This was to, in fairness, it wasn't Kerrang's best era at the time he was making that video. If for balance, much better than his days, and he was like. He the one bit of the video I remember, other than him saying some things which weren't very funny and were kind of a bit judgmental, um, was him turning to to a, a second camera and saying, "Napalm Death are fucking awesome." And ever since, I can't help myself but say, "Napalm Death are fucking awesome." Virtually every time <laughs> I say "Napalm Death are fucking awesome." Um, it's also because "Napalm Death are fucking awesome." Like j- piss taking aside, one of the best bands. I think I've probably seen Napalm Death live more than any other band at this point. There was one point in my 20s when it was definitely sick of it all, but I think Napalm Death passed them quite a long time ago. I've seen them in ridiculous numbers of contexts. I saw them at Roadburn doing only slow songs. Napalm Death, the band famous for writing the shortest ever single in the world, like Guinness Book of Records, shortest single ever. Right. Also... Uh, I saw them on a boat as part of the uh, warm-up for Metal Hammer Golden Gods one year. Uh, I saw them do a gig, which I say it was a gig. It was basically an art performance in the um, pavilion in Bexhill-on-Sea, which is quite near Charlie's. I know where that is. East East Sussex, isn't it? It's East Sussex. Yeah. Um, Where they were basically... It was like this... um, uh, ballroom essentially it's like old-fashioned dance ballroom where the like middle of the dance floor had been fenced off and in it were these kind of ceramic tiled art sculptures and then within them were speakers and that was the pa and then they played a gig and they played for like an hour something like an hour and 45 minutes to try and destroy them and it's there were a few tiles falling off but Whoever had made them knows how to how to do um, tiling. If anyone needs a bathroom doing, they'd be brilliant. Never, <laughs> nothing would ever fall off. In fact, Barney made the joke. He had whoever was whoever did the the tiling on that's much, their grouting's much better than my dad ever was. Um, <laughs> it was going so late. Like, they were so solid that people broke into the the fenced off area and started kicking the shit out of them. <laughs> Security didn't think this was funny and th- and started to throw them out. But uh, Barney, as they were walking out, was giving them the thumbs up, and and, and Shane Embury looked very grateful because they. When I say they played a gig, you know how normally between songs they stop and talk. Not a word. It was just wow. we're going to play, mm. and their songs are quite energetic. So I th- I think by the end of it, they're a little bit tired. Anyway, that was amazing. I think they basically brilliant like I, the old stuff and the new i don't like doing a favorite napalm death album because it's like saying well they've been about four different bands really i mean in some cases literally you got to remember that the debut record to the end of the second record there's like one member and the then he was gone by the next record mm. They have, like, between album one and album three, there are no members the same, I think. I think Shane Embury is the longest-serving member, and I think he joined on the second record. 
like initially that was the idea they were initially meant to be more of like an art project which in which people would come and go and it's why there are various other bands that have been in um napalm death without it being kind of a we're in no we hate you now we're leaving and gonna be in some been another band it was always meant to be like that and then they changed style like in every other record for a while in some cases every record for a while and then they've kind of done really different things through the rest of their career so you like compare Fito to um apex predator easy meat and you go well you can sort of see that it's vaguely the same band but they've changed so much and done so many interesting things between them that i go don't make me choose. I just think they're, I think they're a wonderful band. Just Napalm Death are fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Someone put that on a shirt. I'll buy it. Um, <laughs> now, now that I've ranted about how <laughs> fucking excellent I think that band are, like not ironically, just I think they're fucking excellent. Um, on to why it's a camp classic. Did either of you get anything that spoke to your queer side? There's a few things that I think jumped out uh, after I really stared at the lyrics. Um, <laughs> there's the kind of... Stared at through bleary eyes, because you're very tired. Mm, yes, I was doing this over the weekend, so in between Pride events. <laughs> so brace yourself, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, the death threats were supposed Blasphemy, no room for... Christ. No room for free thought, which is apparently the hardest thing to say when you're tired. <laughs> it's also apparently something that you're struggling with yourself. <laughs> Maybe. Um, that that bit came over as quite relatable. Um, Just a little. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, stuff like moralistic views and not wanting to be open to criticism there are so many people out there who are just so homophobic transphobic biphobic etc who are just really will not hear what you'd have to say and they just yep. think they're above it and the line the closing verse when all is done who shall benefit who is the one not those who pass on but those dictators divine waving their deceitful wands um but that's I'm not going to make a euphemism about the ones there. That's genuinely a who is it really done for? The oh, but you'll be salvation in heaven. Really? Mm. Is that why you're telling people what to do and how to live their lives? Or, or... the uh, oh, but think of the children. Yes. yes. Oh, but, but who will think of the children? What you mean the queer ones who end up you know having really bad mental health problems or like having tragic stories written about them because someone murdered them. Like, yeah. are you, are you do, you, do you mean those ones? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm guessing, Matt, you didn't have too much trouble spotting exactly no, the same yeah. thing as both me and Charlie a bit. Charlie's of kind of hit the nail on the head, uh, similar to what I was thinking about it. And also, I thought about what's been in, like, recent stuff with the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Sandy Toxic thing that happened this week. Over the over the Church of England, still kind of having the idea about gay sex being kind of a sin and stuff as well. I th I think you mean Saint Sandy. Yes, because Sandy Toxvig is wonderful. Gee. Sorry, I I just think no. Sandy should be like 
There should be a gold statue of her in Trafalgar Square, basically, I think. Yeah. She's she's fucking awesome as well. <laughs> yeah, Sandy Talks Big is fucking awesome. <laughs> There's a shirt I'd buy as well. Tiny! <laughs> <laughs> Have you? She used to be in the comedy. There's a uh, an improvisational comedy um, troupe in uh, London called the, the Comedy Store Players, yes. who have been going for absolutely donkey's years. Um, and uh, I, me and my half used to go and watch them quite a lot when we lived in London. And they're really fucking great. Um, and she was did gigs with them and um, women's toilets back then, because at that point most comedians were blokes. Um, was literally a sink in the changing room, and um, because Sandy Toxvig is is not a very tall post person, Josie Lawrence from the Comedy Store Players used to have to lift her up so she could get onto the sink if she needed a wee. <laughs> Sorry, enough about enough about that. I digressed badly. I just I love Sandy Toxvig and I love that story because I love that <laughs> mental image of Josie Lawrence, who is you know a perfectly normally sized person lifting Sandy Toxvig, who bless her is is. I mean, she's technically a Viking, but I I think that like at some point someone's stolen her height, like just like magically, <laughs> just like sucked it out of her and given it to someone else because she's she is not a very tall person. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Suffer the ch- suffer the children to me. Both as a music nerd and as queer, definitely speaks out to me. As someone that was raised in a ca- in a Catholic school upbringing for both primary and secondary and technically the sixth form as well because it was a joined on um it does make it did, has made me think about would i have been able to come out as by back then and probably not because this is still like the early 2000s kind of mid 2000s where sure section 28 might have been gone by but then. only for about 18 months yeah, not long at all. And even then, it's that kind of thing is, well, it's a Catholic-based thing. How would the reaction be kind of thing? Yes, my memory is that it's... I'm not sure that it's still legal, but at, at the time, I'm well aware that there are a lot of faith-based schools that had things like morals clauses in teachers' contracts, mm. where you couldn't be openly anything. Mm. Like, if it, if it was found out that you had a... Um, same-sex partner outside of, or even someone out of partner out of wedlock in a, in certain institutions, they you could be dismissed summarily. Um, I have a feeling that there have been like various bits of employment law that have said, yeah, that's that sounds like America. We don't want that, mm-hmm. um, and have kind of made it so that that's no longer allowed. But mm, yeah, Catholic school in the nineties and early noughties. It's not. It doesn't sound like a marvelous place to be queer. Somehow, hmm. my kind of. I mean, I often say that the Church of England is the kind of most secular religion going because they don't really care that much. They apart from certain things some yeah. of the time, but certainly in like metropolitan London. Church of England school like mine really didn't give a shit about a lot of that stuff, so that it w- it wasn't necessarily the school's faith that was the problem. It was just kind of schools in England at the time were really fucking homophobic. So yeah. I I I don't really consider the the faith thing did that me that much damage. I think it was 
various other things. The song itself obviously is saying about how organized religion tells people what to do. And that's the core of the song. And it's off. It's the, the message of the song is it's not for the benefit. It's the benefit of the, it's not for the benefit of the people being told it's for the benefit of the people doing the telling, which is obviously something which happens in particular to queer people and the damage, you know, the, the suffer the children, the suffering the children have to go through is mostly done to young people in the case of, of queer folk and religion. Because if you tell a 13-year-old who knows that they fancy their own gender or they know that they're not the gender they've been assigned, that, that if you tell them that they're going to burn in hell for eternity or that they must get married and have kids even if they're asexual... Out because of that you know that's God's will, even if it's not right for you, that does real measurable harm, and you can kind of. I don't need to go into those again. I say them all the time about various indicators of psychological harm that the LGBT community displays, and that's before we even get into the kind of the more extreme stuff. So that like you hear about things like exorcisms, and obviously conversion therapy is obviously. It's something that's been used quite a lot recently in the UK. There's a, actually quite a good documentary on Netflix about um, the American uh, ex-gay movement, which kind of died in its arse when a load of the like poster people for ex-gay therapy <laughs> came out, and then yeah, it didn't work. I still, I still really, really want something big and hard up me. And uh, <laughs> there's no amount of praying away the gay that can can stop it. And in fact, that's done a load of harm. It doesn't work. It's bollocks. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if Napalm Death were thinking of all this kind of stuff when they wrote this 32 years ago. Fucking oh, hell. Oh, no. When I say 1990 was 32 years ago, I feel really old. I, I'm oh. just about ready for, you know, a pipe and slippers. Um, <laughs> although I said that, I had a pipe and slippers at university. In fairness, we thought we were being really Why? cool. Because we thought we were being really cool. And it was there was like loads of pipe shops in it just down the road from my uni. And a bunch of us went, should we get one? So we did, because we thought it would be cool. I have to say, it was minging. Really <laughs> vile. I can, I can say, genuinely, pipe smoking... Even aside from the fact that it will kill you if you do it for very long, it's really horrible. Um, anyway, I, d I don't know if you know Napalm Death were thinking of this when they wrote this 32 years ago, but I wouldn't be surprised given their vocal anti-homophobia stance. I think they've got two anti-homophobia t-shirts out at the moment, right? I mean, I, yeah. I was thinking of doing a side by side in it, but I went, "Why well, is Napalm Death?" Of course I fucking do. <laughs> it's Napalm Death. <laughs> they were, were anti-homophobia 30 years ago. Which is, um, it's, it's kind of low-hanging fruit. I probably should do it because, you know, it, Napalm Death are fucking awesome and it gives me a chance to say it again. Um, every time they play Suffer the Children, which is a lot, and I see it, which has been a lot, I think... Is that about us? Just me? There's, there's got to be a little bit of it in, in there. Um, even if the main message of it is basically going after 
fun, religious fundamentalists or in all forms kind of thing. There's got to be a there has to be a little bit of um, fighting for us. Then if they are if they've been true allies for over thirty plus years, they will have fought it in some shape. I'd be pretty shocked if they haven't. Yeah, yeah. Even if they, it wasn't the original intention. Anyway, I think that's probably Suffer the Children by Napalm Death explained. We will have another camp classic for you in the next episode, uh, but for now, we should move on. The Hate Crew Gay Bar is unfortunately closed due to unforeseen circumstances this week. I, I say unforeseen, we should have realised it was coming. The Twinks wanted night for them. And the combination of glitter, spilled sugary booze, and broken glow sticks from all the Bring Me the Horizon fans, and the place just needs a deep clean. It's, we can't get in there. It's, it's really good. I mean, it, and also, you should see what they've done to the jukebox. Honestly, someone tried to hack the bloody thing, and it's tried to download all kinds of things with beeps and and squiddy. Someone tried to put and not, not Eskimo Cool Boy. What are they called now? Electric Callboy. Electric Callboy. Someone tried to put a song by them on there, and to, to which, you know, I, th- I, th- I think there might have been some violence that ensued after that, which we don't approve of, but you know, it's kind of reasonable. Some... Not Hyper Hyper, was it? Again. <sighs> and to be fair, actually, if it wasn't for the lyrics, Is Anyone Up would be a good song. Awful, but good. Uh, but the lyrics kind of go, hmm, <laughs> No. Really, like, no, don't do a song about revenge porn. Um, anyway, instead of that, we are going to talk about something that firmly does not involve twinks as we take a look at a moment. Someone in heavy metal erroneously set off our gaydars with the return of Yes Homo. And this week we're talking about stoner metal god, frankly, and all-round riff lord Matt Pike, most famously of Sleep and High on Fire, and his unusual... In inverted commas, uh, choice of stage costume. Uh, first thing is obviously first, as usual, though, uh, we have to talk about the music before we talk about the fashion. Uh, I know neither of us, no one here wants to, but you know, cishets insisted. Uh, what do we think of Matt Pike, the musician? Now, I know High on Fire more than I know Sleep, but I fucking love High on Fire. <laughs> Is the right answer. I mean, I think the reason you know High on Fire more than Sleep is that you're not 50 years old. <laughs> and I have seen High on Fire live and got a cool shirt which basically rips off uh, Black Sabbath's Master of Reality uh, album nice. cover. With, That's a very good cover. With their name on it. Nice. So, one of the best gigs I went, I've been to actually in Stoke, to be fair. As soon as they played Fertile Green, I was I was off. <laughs> I was about to say, but best gigs you've been to in Stoke? So all, all two of them? <laughs> no, there's been more <laughs> than two. Trust me. <laughs> okay, but how many of those were just Skindred coming back for the umpteenth time? <laughs> Skindred was one of them, yes. I've seen Skindred in uh, Cambridge, Newcastle, and uh, Vacken, as as well as like. 17,000 times in London. And I've seen them in Wales like twice as well. Skindred played everywhere in the UK. If your town has more than 10,000 people living in it, Skindred have probably played there. They (laughs) played in my hometown once. Not that I could go because it was over 18s, but they did. Bastards. (laughs) Venue, not not Skindred, obviously. Um, Sleeper, okay. I I think... Oh, that's dangerous. I know, I know, I know. Oh... 
I, I lock your Twitter account, Matt. <laughs> I do like sleep. It's just you have to. I think I have to be in a certain mood for sleep rather than high on fire. Higher fire, I can just put on and go. Yeah. What mood would that be, Matt? Not that mood because I don't do that. But you know. I mean, they are called stoner metal for a yeah, reason. Yeah. If you, we all know what album I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. It's Don't Smoke a Right. Yeah, I'm getting. Yeah. It is. Don't I'm smoke getting. Yes. I'm getting them and uh, Electric Wizard uh, confused. What's the fucking Electric Wizard album called? Dope Throne. Dope Throne. Thank you. I'm. That was a real brain fart. I just. I had. <laughs> I was having a panic, and I can see the two album covers in my mind, and going, which one's which? Fuck. Fuck brain, Get, come on, give me the right information. I can offer you a lettuce. No, that's not helpful. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who has this problem today. Uh, yeah, I talk about wrestling on Twitter sometimes. Locking the account, I'm not going to be doing that. <laughs> I once, uh, I once um, accidentally um, sent out a tweet about Kurt Hammett. Oh. And to, to which everyone went, Kurt? And I went, look, it's, look I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm human, and my brain sometimes, you know, yeah. I say, I would like the answer to the question, who discovered gravity? Well, I can offer you a zebra. <laughs> <laughs> that just happens to people. Yeah. Okay, it might happen to me more than most. Uh, Charlie, sorry. Um, uh, before, we get on to, before I start talking about uh, Dope Smoker. Um, I haven't listened to High on Fire loads. I've listened to Snakes for the Divine, and I don't think much else. They are very good. I think I don't think there really is like a weak High on Fire album, to be honest. No. I'm trying to think if they've they've done one that I haven't at least had like like three songs that have gone. Yeah, the, that justifies the album's existence, even if kind of even if I'm not mad about the rest of it. Those three songs rule. Like a, a High on Fire best of playlist is quite long, actually. They've done a lot of it. I fucking love High on Fire. I absolutely love them. They're, they're like, it's exactly my thing. It's lots of riffs. It's quite aggressive. There's some good groove, and it's kind of big, expansive songs that have like structure, but it's a bit unexpected and exactly where it's going. Big rumbling bass as well. Really love the bass noise on pretty much every High and Fire album. I love that. I obviously I think Sleep are wicked, right? And I did think Sleep were wicked. I I kind of preferred Sleep's Holy Mountain to Dope Smoker, which I know is kind of heresy, but you know, shoot me. Um, but because for a long time they're an entirely retrospective act, apart from like I think I've seen them twice, maybe. Um, it was very much more kind of respect and appreciation rather than real kind of, no, I fucking love sleep. It, because it's just much easier to be into a band if they keep doing stuff. Like when At The Gates were a retrospective band, I was like, you know, yeah, Terminal Spirit Disease and uh, Slaughter of the Soul are wicked, but it's like they've been gone for like 12 years or whatever. And then like they came back and started doing more. And I went, OK, well, now I kind of the old albums matter more to me now. And I had exactly the same thing when that last high on, that last sleep record came out in 2018 because that album is fucking outstanding. And I went there when a band does a reunion record, it, the first one is often poo. Like, so I don't really think very much of the first at the gates reunion record. I think the second one's excellent. I really love um, uh, to drink with the night. It's to drink to drink with the night itself. To drink from the night itself. It's that some type of album type that doesn't make sense. Um, but I thought at War with Reality was, eh, it's fine. 
sleep re- reunion record, fucking outstanding, and just proves that you know Matt Pike remains well, and Al Cisneros uh, remain brilliant on Matt Pike himself, not just kind of in the context of bands, but just on his own. No one has more great riffs. Some have as many, but no one has more. Okay, no, Tony Iommi has more, mm. right? Tony Iommi <laughs> has more, but one, Tony Iommi did it first. He got a head start on everyone else, so he's he should have more. Yes, particularly because point two, he's Tony fucking Iommi. He is incredible. He was in Black Sabbath for a long time. He's well, Black Sabbath split up in when did they split up? Officially, finally, that's it. We're gone. Is it like twenty fourteen, fifteen, something like that? Yeah, was it more recently than that. Maybe a bit more. Recent I think it might be more recent. Can't remember. I do remember going to see them at the O2 and Aussie. Not really being very good. Mm. Um, but anyway, they were. They basically went for you know best part of fifty years. So you know, they they have an, an unfair advantage over Matt Pike in that respect. But other than that, no one has more great riffs. He, just for someone who can crank out a, a brilliant riff every time he needs one, I, I cannot think of anyone who would be better for a, like, a supergroup record than Matt Pike. In fact, he has been in the supergroup. Wasn't he in Shrine Builder? Or am I making that up? Was that Al Cisneros? And I'm just completely making it I'm up. I'm not sure. <laughs> I have no idea. No, I am completely making it up. Al Cisneros is in Shrine Builder. Ah. Wow, did I get that one wrong. Al Cisneros is, is uh, one third of sleep, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know that. Um, the, the, although, the, I think, last time Sleep were playing, you know who was on drums? Speaking of of people who can be in supergroups, it's Jason Roder from Neurosis. <laughs> It's like, oh, that guy. Right, okay, well, this is going to be quite tight then, isn't it? <laughs> so, someone, someone who can play in that band for that length of time and be really fucking great. That's probably going to be all right. Um, let's move on from why um, Matt Pike is also fucking awesome. And on to why he's completely incorrectly, as far as I'm aware anyway, um, set off my, well, at least mine, maybe joined in with, Two others in a second, but I may just find myself embarrassed and on my own. Um, Matt Pike is famously not fond of wearing shirts on stage. To the extent where I think it was Metal Sucks. This is going back like <laughs> 10 years or so. Like, but in the, in the golden age of Metal Sucks, they ran an article on Matt Pike's top 10 shirts. And it was like nine photos of him topless, and then like just for irony, there was one photograph of him, I think, in a trouble shirt or something like that, <laughs> some, like legendary doom band. Um, now, why would a red-blooded but definitely not heterosexual man look at a red-blooded man wearing fewer than normal clothes for the ent- entertainment of a room full of hairy, sweaty fans, most of whom <laughs> are men? And think there's something gay going on here. Why? Why could I have thought that, hmm. Matthew? I can't think why that could be. Could you? Um, well, see, I'm. I take it he does this with sleep and high on fire. This shirt business. So yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw sleep. I was quite drunk. Okay, fair enough. Um, let's just presume he does. This. In fairness, it was at the end of a festival. I'd finished <laughs> reviewing it like three 
hours before they were on and it was the last day and I'd started enjoying myself. <laughs> I mean, sure, Matt Pipe must be might be doing it in a way because some of the venues he plays in are quite uh, sweatboxy, for lack of a better term. Yes. <laughs> so yes, uh, yeah. He I have might... been. I've never been the cold high on fire gig. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, he may be doing it purely for himself to make sure he doesn't completely overheat and collapse on the stage. The idea of a man of his build, quasi bearish, I guess. That's a bit harsh. I think he's he's just kind of he's a, he's a, a a slightly bigger gentleman. Well, I don't think he realizes that entirely him doing that in a venue, a very quite packed venue in front of mostly men, can be interpreted in a very queer way. <laughs> Charlie, you're you're looking l- <laughs> less convinced than I think Matt is. No, I'm I'm just I'm I'm actually thinking about how. It would have just fit in very well with yesterday's mm. uh, aforementioned Pride celebrations. I could, <laughs> if you look past all of the shirtless twinks, you eventually will see someone who looks pretty much like this. And that will be where I am in the in the, <laughs> in the Pride match. I will probably have my top on, but. Um... There, there are more confident bears than me. Um, I say bears. I haven't always been like this size and shape, and haven't always. Well, I certainly haven't always had a beard this long. There was, there was, you know, there was a time when this was, you know, impossible to grow because I did actually go th- through primary school. They didn't just kind of arrive at, you know, <laughs> magically appear out of a box eighteen with a like f- beard that's a foot long and you know. A, a hairline that's much further away from my eyes than I really would like it to be. Uh, the whole bear thing is a kind of interesting one. Bears, there is something very nice about bears because mm. it's quite rare in the modern world to find people who are quite confident about their body when it's not some kind of like Love Island mm. style thing that's been sculpted and and airbrushed probably um to within an inch of its life and that are very very positive about other people who look like them so it's quite rare to be around a group of people who will say oh you're extremely attractive to someone who has you know not the conventional figure someone who is a, of a larger type and very hairy in a world where like everyone seems to be waxed that's one really weird thing when did like hair just become a thing that people go no i don't want to see that I I don't no idea. Like I'm not saying that everyone should look like a like a literal bear. I'm not saying saying everyone should have more hair coverage than my dog or so, or anything like that. Because you know that would be that's kind of one something you should probably see an endocrinologist about. And two, that's kind of fetishistic, right? But I I don't understand the uh, I want everyone to be like waxed clean thing. I understand. Them. And there are various bits where it's kind of useful if there's some control of what's going on, because otherwise certain things chafe. That's fine. But, you know, the middle of your chest is is not one of those things which really needs some control if it's to, if everything is to engage in a way that is comfortable for everyone, mm. right? I'm trying not to go, like, too not safe for work here. 
um, I, I can feel myself getting dangerously close to the point of no return on, on that particular front and just getting into discussions of certain things that we haven't gone to before. But there are lots of bits of the body where that's not an issue and that people still, like, wax them. And I go, but why? It's like, it's body hair. You're, it's completely normal. I'm not, okay, maybe this is because I'm not a heterosexual bloke, but I, I, I really don't understand it. I don't get it either. Yeah, I, I blame things. Like, like you say, the aforementioned Love Island has a lot to answer for. Naked Attraction is another show, I suppose, that has a lot to answer for with it too. Well, except they often have people who are quite hairy on Naked Attraction. Mm. <laughs> Here I reveal that I've watched quite a lot of it. Of course I have. It's <laughs> extremely funny. <laughs> it's a load of people who are trying to form a long-term relationship by essentially judging how nice someone's cock is. It's like, I'm going to try and decide who what the best basis of a lasting uh, relationship could be. Could it be how nice your fanny is? <laughs> quite a funny show. <laughs> I've, that kind of stuff is quite late to the party because, mm. like Dan Savage was talking about this stuff like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Of like, why has why, where did pubes go? Like, because pubic lice are now an endangered species. <laughs> now, granted, <laughs> I've not listened to Dan Savage in a long time. Well, no, but you wouldn't have to. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. He was saying this in like 2008 or something. I remember hearing yeah. something about that. That yeah, one. Pubic lice, endangered species, that's quite funny. But two, <laughs> isn't that how we tell, like, that you, who's who and without going, like, too icky? That actually, there's no way around it. It's how you, t it, hair is how you tell, oh, you're an adult, right? Yeah. Or it's one of the ways, it's not the only one, but adults have body hair. It, you know, again, not necessarily the full rug, but you know, in certain places, it's kind of normal. Why are we just waxing all of it? Anyway, I've got way off piece. I, I, don't know how we got, I do not know how we got there. But anyway, yeah, the, the bears thing is, I think, something really nice in the modern world to that people who are mutually attracted to each other despite mm. you know not having what society says you should look like. They don't all look like Cristiano Ronaldo, and for the better. Mm. He's grim in various different ways. Um, let's move on from you know disappointing football legends um, and like focus on what I was actually talking about. It is quite rare, right, that you have a group of. It's still mo more men than women. Is the balance is redressing comparatively quickly, but it's still mostly men, right? who are deliberately seeking to see a sweaty man wearing no shirt and there'd be no sexual motive. And I'm trying to think other contexts. Hmm. <laughs> Professional wrestling? Yep. Yep, here we go. Now I'm really struggling. Because you think, well, sports, no, it doesn't happen in any sport that, you know, you have unclothed men who are engaging in 
physical activity who look like that or the men who take the clothes off to, to engage in their sport tend to you know, wax big for functional reasons right if you're sw if you're a swimmer it, actually there is a good reason you might shave your body that's practical not just um, uh, maybe it's professional professional swimming being popular is the reason that <laughs> so many people have gone oh i like I'm going to get rid of all my body hair, including the ones that you can only see if I take my underwear off. It's quite rare, right? Because most of the yeah. times that I think of sweaty men wearing no shirts or intentionally seek out, you know, sweaty men wearing no shirt, there's a sexual motive there. Mm -hmm. Call me crazy. <laughs> well, to slightly go back to the wrestling thing, there is waxing and that involved in professional wrestling and sometimes body hair can be seen depending on the character the person is playing uh to give and more oil than man war <laughs> yeah yeah most of the time these days um i mean one example for you're saying these days even when i used to watch wrestling in the early 90s well i was just about to bring up someone from the early 90s um the whole the giant Gonzalez gimmick, which was basically it was mostly a bodysuit, but it was basically a hairy man bodysuit all over. <laughs> I'm very glad I don't know what <laughs> who that is because that would probably have caused me even more damage than society did to me already. And this guy and this guy is like seven foot four <laughs> that played the gimmick. <laughs> so, so it was someone who wasn't who could have been a professional basket player but lacked the you know. Hand-like coordination, essentially, so yes. Best option, yes. El Gigante, yeah. he was known by in other places as well. So that's basically his gimmick. He is a very t he was a very tall man and couldn't really do much. But who cares? He's seven foot four. Who cares? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I mean to be fair, I'm always disappointed. There's two disappointing things about. Um, men who are seven foot four <laughs> one is that uh none of them play professional cricket because a fast bowler who's seven foot four would be hilariously frightening <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to face them but that could be re if you if anyone's ever seen videos of joel garner bowling jesus fucking christ that it, he was like six nine right add another seven inches onto that good god <laughs> so, yeah um the other thing is I don't really like the idea of a man I have to go up on. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a personal preference. <laughs> don't get me wrong, it'd probably be better for your back, but you know. <laughs> also, you need to live in a house that's extremely long just to fit the yeah. beds in. Because beds are like... A standard double bed is... I'm 5'9", and even I, in a standard double bed, my toes will touch the end, right? Yeah. That I, That is now below average height. When I was growing up, that was considered average height. They've redone the growth charts, and before I hit 18, they said, <laughs> yeah, now that's below average height. Average height now is like five, ten and a half or something. Yeah. And I was like, you bastards. Uh, swine. Uh, but yeah, it's beds can you imagine trying to find a comfortable bed if you're seven foot four jesus so listen to me i could make a joke about going up on someone and then i start talking about bed sizes good lord <laughs> and, and also to go back to matt pike for a little second he has to be quite confident in himself as well to do every gig without a shirt on 
all of the time. Surely. Trevor from the Black Dahlia murder was the same. Yeah. Who was someone who had a, a slightly larger physique, but would not quite normally take his shirt. I mean, yes. I, my memory is he would come on wearing a shirt and it would last a song and a half yep. at best. And then it would be, even if it was outdoors and it was like quite cold. And he would move around the stage quite a fair bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there was jiggling going on, and it was <laughs> it was a beautiful thing to watch. Yes. And seeing someone who was that confident and that full of energy on stage really was really kind of... I don't want to go into kind of wanky phrases like life-affirming or anything like that, but it was very much something which filled you with um, enthusiasm and joy because it was just a, here's a great thing, let's have fun, everyone, and that stuff is infectious. Like, yeah. we're social animals. We pick up on each other's moods. If someone else is being like, hey, guys, everything's great. It's that, you know, as long as you don't think they're a dickhead, that stuff will rub off. And similarly, if someone's being like, oh, everything's shit, isn't it? If, basically, if everyone sounds like they're from Birmingham. <laughs> there, well, no, there is something about the Birmingham accent that makes good things sound, like, really miserable. Yeah. And I've had conversations with people from Birmingham where they're being really enthusiastic and it sounds like they've just said someone's, you know, told them that they their home is being repossessed. It's really sunny. It's really sunny and I've just won the lottery. Yeah. You know, that <laughs> I haven't literally had that conversation, but I have I I won't say who. I've in, interviewed a very, very, very successful um metal musician from the golden age of, of heavy metal who um was being incredibly enthusiastic and happy and upbeat about lots of good things. And genuinely, it sounded like his wife had left him. Bless him. <laughs> it's, 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 very, it's, it's, it's possible that his football team were just that bad because his football team are shit. But which, I mean, in Birmingham doesn't narrow it down very much. Well, hey, <laughs> um, it, it's not an accent that lends you to kind of cheerfulness. Um, which is, it explains Anon Afrak. If you want, a, if you want an accent that, that inspires cheerfulness, uh, it's Geordie, apparently. Is yeah. if people people had a survey, did a survey of um, what the uh, accent people are most filled with, um, kind of calm and comfort if they hear their pilot say it on an airline, um, and the top answer was Geordie, followed by um, like posh. Which explains Boris Johnson. Um, <clears throat> tip for any pol political parties out there: if you want to get get yourself a, an electoral victory in the UK, get yourself a Geordie leader. Um, we've gone way off on a tangent. <laughs> so, so off on a tangent. <laughs> and I can see Charlie just getting kind of more and more losing the will to live. As I'm as okay. Like, I was up until four o'clock in the morning and I've been partying all weekend and now Tom's talking about Geordie Airline pilots and I have no idea what the fuck's going on. So now if we see Liz Truss adopting a Geordie accent within the next few days, we know exactly whose fault it is. <laughs> she listens, she's obviously a listener somehow. I'm just going to say this now. Liz Truss, if you're listening, piss off. <laughs> that was more polite than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, I was. Oh no! I'm saving. I'm saving the rude one for when I know what's coming. Mm. I know what's coming. Yeah. Because because and I I'm saving the line that I have used before for when it's really really necessary. 
um, because I don't want to go too hard too soon because I'm going to be looking up all sorts of interesting Norwegian swear words because I'll have run out of all the English ones. Um, <laughs> also, apparently she's from Leeds. Can't tell. I, some, I In the last few weeks, she's been going around saying, oh, when I was in Leeds growing up, and I was like, you were in Leeds? That's like the least northern accent I've heard in my life. Thank God I never... Thank God I never saw a damnation then. Jesus. <laughs> I, I think it's very unlikely she's a bowl thrower fan somehow. <laughs> or, or, or an At The Gates fan, or, or Godflesh, or any of the other bands that played that festival. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's, I thought kind of maybe, maybe somewhere like posh bit of, I don't know, Derbyshire or somewhere like mm. that. But you can't, just because occasionally she'll say something like one or one. So there'll be a slight, like, n- slight northern tinge. But I'm like, well, it's, it's not really northern enough to be, like, north. But no, no, it's from Leeds. No. Um, and and Le- Leeds, by the way, great place. Wonderful city. Yeah. All I can say is, we have, you have our sympathies. I'm going to move on because I've, I'm aware that, you know, something like 30% of the country has just stopped listening to the podcast forever. Um, <laughs> to be fair. I don't think there are that many like the diehard Tory voters who listen to this podcast. Somehow, I think not. No, I th- I think our kind of quite firm position on trans rights and not being racist will have offended some of them. Um, <laughs> too far? Nah. nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. Um, I think though that explains why Matt Pike's shirtless stage outfit incorrectly made us think gay thoughts. Um, to be fair, I don't need many much encouragement to think gay thoughts, but every little <laughs> helps. Uh, we will have another yes homo for you another time. We have still we, we're not done. It's heavy metal. There's loads. Um, next week, as we discussed something off Harmony Corruption, this week we'll be following up with a Harmony Corruption as we explain why one of the 21st century's most popular comedy metal songs was really not helpful for metal's gay folk. Uh, we'll also have another camp classic, this time featuring one of Scott Kelly from Neurosis's umpteen million side projects, as Dirt Poor and Mentally Ill by Corrections House will be up for discussion. Uh, we may or may not be going back in HGBs. It depends how the maintenance is going. They've got a big job on their hands. Jesus Christ. You would not believe how many mops they had to use and throw away. Uh, that, though, is it for HBFM 88. Uh, Charlie and Matt, it has been um, twisty and turny, and I didn't expect us to end up where we did, but, you know, it was fun, which is you know, uh, much like Charlie's Sunday night, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gay and didn't end up anywhere near where you thought it would. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Uh, thank you all for listening and uh, until next until next week until next week I'm apparently from New Zealand until next week uh, listen to Napalm Death because Napalm Death are fucking awesome listen to High on Fire and Sleep and remember if we stand side by side it will get better goodbye bye ta-ta Hi everyone, Tom again. Just a quick FYI, that that episode I just said would be coming next is the show next week, but it is not the next episode, because on Friday, all things going well, we are going to be doing another crossover episode with the excellent Riot Act podcast, where we are going to be doing the 
Gay Metalhead Guide to the Eurovision Song Contest. Yes, really. Matt Rushton is back for that, so make sure you join him, me, and Steve Hill from Right Act this Friday to hear all about the fabulous Eurovision Song Contest.